Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Carlene Cannon. Welcome, Larger Story, to the Relational Spirituality Podcast. We're so grateful that you joined us today, and I'm really grateful today to be joined by my two oldest children, Nick Cannon and Ivy Hill. Um, they're here to talk to me today about Christmas. We wanted to share with you our experience of Christmas through the years and how we made a shift, I don't know, about 11 years ago to really focus more on relationality at Christmas and less on gift giving and retail. So thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Ivy, Nick, thank you guys so much for um, hopping on here. And I look forward to hearing what you have to share uh, about, about how we do Christmas. So about 11 years ago, I had read a book called Advent Conspiracy that sort of challenged people to rethink the way that they did Christmas. And at that time, my experience of Christmas, which I absolutely loved, was also very stressful and overwhelming. I was responsible for the gift giving, the gift wrapping, the gift buying, the food, the decorations, the happiness of everyone, and as well as just keeping our life running through December and all the different activities we had going on. And honestly, it was just exhausting. And it also felt <clears throat> empty. It never lived up to the expectations I had. Felt like it was, should have been a really meaningful experience, good family times, something spiritually significant. And gosh, it was just something we had to suck it up and get through. <laughs> And that wasn't how I wanted to spend the holidays. So I read this book and they were going to this little church that challenged us to do Christmas differently. I actually had a little campaign called Christmas Different. And the idea behind it was to rethink your spending at Christmas and to use the money you would normally spend on gifts and entertaining and things and put that towards something more meaningful. And they really challenged us to to, as a family, think about how we would reconfigure our Christmas activities. One of the things we did, because we were fortunate at the time to have <clears throat> surplus income, giving was something we already did pretty extravagantly, but we really focused on with our kids yeah. because they were already getting everything they needed and pretty much everything they wanted. What kind of Christmas gifts could we give each other that were meaningful and relational? I brought Nick and Anya on here because I wanted to talk to them about what that shift was actually like for them. For me, it was a good shift. It took, it relieved a lot of the burden for me. And I was able to focus on things that were meaningful instead of making sure everybody got the same number of gifts or doing all the shopping or whatever. I was able to focus on other things, but for them, I think it might have been a little more disruptive or maybe a little more disappointing. So I want to just check in with them and, and let them share with you what that was like. So Ivy, you were about 14, I think, when we made a shift. And Nick, you're about 10. And I just think your ages probably meant that you experienced this really differently. I don't know if you remember, but we sat down as a family before Christmas that year. And I talked to you about 
what I wanted to do and shifting the gift giving. And maybe you just get one or two gifts instead of a whole field of gifts under the tree. And we focus more on relational gifts. And I just wonder how that landed with you. What do you remember about that shift? So who wants to start? Ivy. <laughs> I can start. I think for me, I feel like I remember it. I don't think I had any negative feelings attached to it. I think I, as an adult, I have realized about myself that my lowest love language is gift giving. That is like the lowest thing on my priority list. So I think for me, it was a really positive shift because I think I agree. I found gifts were stressful and all of that and finding something for people was stressful. And so I think doing an experience and some of the ways that we did that. I think I was also old enough to be in the church services where they were talking about why we were doing that. And so I think I felt like I understood why we were doing that as a family. And I agreed with that and felt like that was something that had a purpose and there was like good sense behind it. And so I think for me, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing activities and doing more experiences with the family and I think especially because usually our Christmases entailed a lot of extended family I think it was nice to be able to do something together rather than just all sit around and open gifts for an hour or two and then be done with it but I was also older so I think at that time like the things I wanted was like I wanted a car I wanted a computer it was like I was gonna get one thing a year anyway so I don't think I was as affected by not getting smaller what about you, Nick? I remember listening to, like, to mom explain this thing and not liking it. <laughs> Especially because as a nine and 10 year old, you don't have a whole lot of memories you even can think of, but you can remember Christmas when there's 10 presents under the tree with your name on them. And then you're hearing that's not going to be true two weeks before Christmas even happens. You've been thinking about it for a whole year. I feel like I wasn't, I don't remember being like super angry or super upset though. I don't remember thinking this was like the end of the world because I feel like at least when you guys explained it, there was like all oh, this, oh, this is why it's good type of thing. And as a 10 year old, I was pretty convinced by your argument. I think maybe Christmas morning was more disappointing, but looking back too, I couldn't tell you like more than three gifts I got my whole life in those 10 years anyways. And they're probably only because I've seen pictures of myself with them. So, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's this big thing that's affected me, but I definitely remember being like, what? And then even a couple of years after that, when my friends would talk about their Christmas lists and, oh, Nick, what are you going to ask for? And all this stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know. I get one thing. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. That. I think that whole idea of gift giving had really <clears throat> morphed from even the time when I was a kid because... Like when I was a kid, Target didn't have five aisles of toys all year long. Like that, that was just at Christmas. The idea of having a Christmas list and getting things at Christmas was in large part because things weren't available, not only the resources, but also just in the stores. It was just a different kind of cultural experience. Retail had become a really different thing by the time you guys were kids. And when I remember is... As often as you were pleased with your gifts under the tree, you could also be really disappointed with your gifts under the tree. And as the person who 
was responsible for making the magic happen, it was really not just stressful. That was with everything hinged on the magic of Christmas morning, that a lot was at stake. If you didn't like what was under the tree. And I remember in particular, Nick, a couple of years previous, and I think it might have set me up a little bit for when we started talking about Christmas different, you really wanted a dirt bike. And you're like six, seven, and you desperately wanted a dirt bike. And there was no way I was going to buy you a dirt bike. Like that just wasn't even like a realistic option. And so I worked really hard to try to figure something out that would be meaningful or that would at least answer that desire you had. And I found this, it's silly when I think about it, but I found this motorcycle video game that you could ride on and it had this little dinky like screen that had this sort of pixelated game you could play while you're riding this motorcycle. And I thought that I had actually maybe found something that, you know, would address your need. <laughs> oh, because this is why you don't remember it. And it looked like a motorcycle. And so it's under the tree and you come downstairs and that whole magic of Christmas morning, you guys all came in and like little Zach had his tray that and he was just happy for weeks. I don't remember what Ivy got, but you came down here so excited when you saw the motorcycle and then you realized that it didn't move. <laughs> and you looked at me with such disgust. I was just like, I thought, I'm the, I don't want to do this next year. <laughs> There's no way I'd give this kid a dirt bike, but he's going to be super unhappy no matter what I do. And it was just, I can understand from your perspective, one of that was deeply disappointing. And yet there was just a no way to win in that situation. And so with the idea of Christmas different came along and I was like, we can create memories because like you said, I don't even remember when I bought you guys the year before, much less you remembering what you got the year before. But the idea that we could put our energy and our efforts toward creating memories that were both meaningful and really fun and connecting and, and all of these different things, it, it gave us the freedom to really put our effort there instead of all of our effort in accumulating gifts and in evening up the tally at the end of the day. And so <clears throat> when we made the shift and we stuck with it, because the, the first year was good, but we had some kinks work out. But we've been doing this now for over a decade. What are some of the things you really remember that were both real successes and maybe even some like, real duds that just didn't work? Like activities, you mean? Yeah, and just how you experienced Christmas different as meaningful. And maybe even like you talked about, Nick, your friends as they're talking about their Christmas. Where were some of the differences? What were some of the things that stood out to you as both a positive difference or a negative difference? I go first. I think one positive thing. I feel like when we first started doing it, we had multiple of my friends come over and join us in our activities because they were like, wait, this sounds so much more fun than what we're doing. Yeah. So I think that was really fun to get to invite people in, especially people who maybe had something small with like their family, but then yeah. could come and join in with fun and games. And I think also like being super creative from the first, was it the first or second year that you did the Cuban foosball? Was that the first? I think year? that was the second year. Second year. Okay. 
So human food ball was fun. And it was fun because it lasted for a while. And it was like an activity that, especially in high school, was really fun to do with my friends and all of that. And so oh. just to, just for our listeners, oh, yeah. if you know what human food ball is, basically we set up in our basement a sort of mock foosball court that was life size. And so we had ropes with PVC pipe and you had a place you held on to and people were facing different directions. It's basically just a foosball game and kind of a soccer game where you just had a goal you had to score. It, it, it was a riot. It's really fun. All ages could participate. And it is something we actually still have it 11 years later in our basement and lots and lots of people have played. Um, yeah that was super fun and then we also had i remember dad set up in our front yard a remote control he got three remote control cars and the set up a whole course and we like raced them around and had the whole race day and then one time we did like a photo scavenger hunt and like i think i actually do remember a lot of the activities and i think it's also fun to talk about like with as a family it's like we remember them together so even yeah. if, like, I forgot about one, someone will be like, remember when you did this? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that was so fun. And so I think instead of it being a gift that's, like, only for you that you either remember or don't, it becomes something that you have a collective memory and that actually brings you closer as you do more of them. And as you go on, you can be like, oh, my gosh, remember when this thing happened? One time we did a game where the grandmas had to drink water out of the sink faster than the sink filled up the cup. It was a very silly game, but we still remember it. Awesome at it. Yes. We laugh about it all the time because it was so funny and it cost no money. It was, but it was hilarious and it allowed the grandmas to be the star of the show. They won the game for us. The Olympics we were doing. And so just silly things like that, that really bring us together. And we've been creative in the ways like in a multi-generational Christmas, you can involve everyone in yeah. those kinds of things, which is fun. I think as the adult or the parent in the situation, it brings me great joy to see the way you guys have totally entered in. Like we may have had a little bit of a slow start, but you two have been incredibly creative because the way we did this, we broke up into teeth to play the activity. And the minute you could be a driver, you could have, you could captain a team. <laughs> so Nick and Ivy have both been really critical in bringing in activities and, and new ideas. And some of my favorite things were like, I think it was one of you who did the, where you had to make up a rap or you had to make up a song and you sat, sang it as a group and you just get to see all these hidden talents that people have when they're forced to rap. So back to your grandma, when the 75-year-old grandma is doing a rap, like, it, it's very interesting. It's amusing. I think, Nick, we did a gingerbread decorating competition where you had us, like, one person was the hands, they were blindfolded, and one person was the, gave instructions that they could see, but they didn't have their hands. And, like, we just did all kinds of really interesting things that you guys came up with. You were the best to just go into Target and seeing what was available and just making up a random game. And we'd have more fun with that. So I really appreciate the way you guys really entered in, not just as participants, but then when you got old enough to be active planners. Nick, what, what were some of your favorite memories or how did this impact you as you got into it? 
I really enjoyed it. I think it's hilarious to get, like Ivy said, all the people involved. I've got, like, I was just thinking through as Ivy was talking about, like, different memories when we did a makeshift snowball fight in the basement. Oh, yeah, I'm, like, that was funny. Throwing these white snowballs as hard as I can at, like, my 85-year-old grandma's wheelchair across the way. It's like a shield, like a Nerf shield. <laughs> just can't even see anybody. She's just throwing snowballs. We did Nerf Wars. I think the there was one time when we had, like, the whole family here, and Dad rented this, like, old sports car and taught us all how to drive stick as i don't even i don't even remember what the game was i just remember we kept the car for a couple of days and i learned how I to drive say the stick. game was just driving the car yeah <laughs> like it yeah. was just yeah and it was like him and uncle philip that was like their grand idea and then now i drive a manual car because of that car <laughs> and so i don't know there's like a lot of little things like that, that I like i learned and picked up even like Having some of my friends over for the color war where we would throw oh, yeah. this colored powder at each other and with white t-shirts on in the backyard. And and we got some great pictures out of those too. Oh yeah, sure. And so, I don't know, tons of little things like that that are fun that I feel like in a way, I feel like as a family, we've always done stuff like this. We made it into a Christmas day thing, but we had video game parties where like all these high school boys would come over when I was a little kid and play video games all night. And then we had the water parties outside. It's just like an extension of all of those things. And it's climactic point at Christmas day with like your whole extended family and all the funny people that that brings to our house. <laughs> and so, I don't know, just, I feel like there's plenty of things that I can think of. You guys named some of the big hits, of course, with the... Yeah. Oh, remember, we, now that TikTok has gotten involved, we've gotten the TikTok challenges, like the blowing the candles out with the prizes oh, yeah. and yeah. all of that. TikTok has some good ideas for yeah. different. I feel like we are the pioneers of all of that, though. If we had just, you know, TikTok. been savvy, yeah, we could have been, we could have been the TikTok family, but that wasn't our objective, so we didn't do it, but yeah. So how... So we talked a little bit about just the variety of things we did and the, the kind of fun side of it. What was, what was meaningful to you about it? You've alluded to that. More, more directly, did you feel like you lost out did you, or did you feel like you gained more than you lost? And how, how did that strike your heart as you experienced Christmas this way? Especially because we were doing this before everyone was doing it on TikTok. And our Christmas was really different than most everybody else's that you were around. I feel like I came to appreciate it a lot. Especially because we would do like a stocking or something. Like you, It wasn't like there was like a complete absence of gifts. Mm -hmm. And so usually there was like one or two yeah. things that were more meaningful. Or, and, and like Ivy said, as you get older. There's only one or two things you really want. It's like all the socks and t-shirts and random. They're boring. They're so boring <laughs> once you get older. Yeah. Like you don't, you're not as excited about the like Jenga set that you get or something. And so when you get like one or two things, you're pretty happy with that anyways, but also excited about the whole family. And I think too, cause we had a lot of people coming in town. It made it better. Cause we could do, we did like the dollar store thing for the stockings where Everybody, there. we had 25 people over, and so you'd go to the dollar store and you'd get one thing for each person. 
and then like Christmas Eve, we'd open all of the 25 and they'd be like hilarious things like fake tongues and stuff like that. <laughs> and like, Long I yeah, well, I was gonna say, I think for, for me as the adult in, in all of these, those were some of honestly the most meaningful and memorable gifts I got when like little four year old Zach gave me a dollar bottle of laundry detergent because. I was always doing laundry and I must love it. So he wanted me to have something I loved just to see his perspective on me and my life. And I'll never forget that. That was probably one of the sweetest gifts I've ever gotten. Or I think just the funny things like Nick, I don't know if you remember this, but you gave your grandmother hair dye so that she wouldn't have gray hair anymore. When you turn a kid loose in a dollar store, the things they come up with just can't anticipate and it's really charming and fun and mem deeply memorable yeah, and it gives you a chance as a little kid to like get stuff for people because normally yeah. you have no money you have no way to buy anything for anybody and so you can't give them you might make something at school that you can give your parents or something but right. you, you get an opportunity now to think about 20 people in your family and what they would like most love i feel like is actually probably has a more profound effect than we think it does as you know, six-year-olds or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I think stuff like that was learn the, the joys of generosity a little bit early on. And actually that it's like fun for you too. Like seeing somebody open something you bought them yeah, can sometimes be as good of you opening a gift that somebody got you. Right. I remember, I mean, you were a little older <laughs> and... <clears throat> We uh, worked a lot on writing essays together and it was, you know, good and bad for both of us, <laughs> uh, challenging for both of us. And you found like a book at the dollar store that year on 101 tips on writing good essay or so something like that. And it was like a peace offering, acknowledgement of something good. Like it was a, to me, the way I received it was, this was an overture and a communication of gratitude that you couldn't communicate other like you couldn't just say thanks mom for your help because we were generally butting heads over something but it just landed in me as something really like a message that was really significant and yeah it was just a fine dollar store activity and I, I was surprised I think by how effective that exercise was in communicating love and appreciation and really what gift giving is about taking away the need for the gift to be costly or you know something you wanted and just more as an expression of your thoughtfulness for the other person and and it had nothing to do with the amount or the cost yeah. and it, it it was really impactful a lot of times it was just hilarious and and that was a lot of fun but every so often Something like that that was really thoughtful and showed the other person how you see them and love them and appreciate them was really significant and very memorable. Yeah. How do you think? Okay, I wanted to hit one more thing. One thing I really appreciate that, appreciated about you, Nick, though, was I think it was just a couple of years ago because you were 10 when we started and Zach was seven and then poor Dave was like three. So all he knows is Christmas this way. But at one point, you did say, it makes me sad that David never got just the big, extravagant magic of Christmas morning where you come downstairs and there's just 
like you said, the 10 presents with your name on it under the tree. And I was actually really moved by that, that you thought about Dave. And so we did have one Christmas where we all, we, we gave you guys each an amount of money and you had, you know, names that you had to buy for. And we did have a little more of a traditional Christmas with multiple gifts under the tree. And I was primarily motivated by what you said, Nick, about David. How was that like? What was that like for you to go back and reconnect to more traditional American Christmas? I think it was better being older, getting to do it. Yeah. And too, because you still got a little bit of the, because I think it was like two people we get to buy gifts for or something. And I don't remember. And then so you get to, now it's a little different because you're like talking to the person, you're like, what do you want type thing. So it's not the same as like the dollar store where I'm just figuring out what you want. You know, it's more like a traditional thing. Um, so I feel like it's a both and. I th I'm sure for Dave, it was more like exciting, you know, because he was little. Uh, I think now that as being older, it was like, I think there was like a Nike sweatshirt I wanted and like skateboard <laughs> park, something like that, that like I probably could have bought with my own money at that point. So I think then it really gets all about like we talk about these like daily experiences and stuff so it's it's one thing to get the stuff it's another thing to have all the presents on the tree that you get to open with your family like early morning on christmas and see that experience as well so i think it just depends on the way like families do things though because i don't know like you or dad if there was like a random february afternoon i was at the store with dad and found a sweatshirt I really wanted there could be like he could just get it for me then versus yeah. some people who it's like birthday and Christmas save it all for those moments and so, like that's when you get your new clothes and that's when you get your new sure. thing I can understand more of the value in it but Perfect. I feel like that's not typically how as when I was especially when I was growing up how we did things as much and so it wasn't this holy cow I'm just dying because I have no socks and I just need to get to Christmas more <laughs> There were plenty of times we had no socks. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, but. Yeah. What What was that like for you, Ivy? Yeah, I think similar. I think we, I don't know. I feel like gift, like I said, not my love language. So I think for me, and I think also being an adult, like I get it now, like being 26, like thinking about having four children that I had to buy a gift. That sounds like the most stressful thing I could, I can't even manage buying a gift for Jimmy, my husband. I can't even, I am the worst. It's like his birthday. I'm like, crap, I didn't get anything. I'm like, love you. Here's a card. Like that's me. So I can totally see why I think Christmas and gift giving and all those things and the joy of all of that, it comes down to what works for your family and how like, how they communicate because i think the second that christmas just becomes a chore right and something that is no longer joyful for both the kids and the parents because i think kids like you you get the stress that comes from your parents and your parents carting you around to go to the mall and go go christmas shopping isn't fun for you either and so <laughs> or having to get a babysitter or whatever because yeah. and your mom being stressed because she's having to buy all these presents and whatever i think kids feel that and i think when the adults are like doing something that's natural for them like i think in our family like planning activities planning things like that is something that's naturally like we all are 
have those kinds of ideas. We enjoy doing that. We enjoy planning experiences a lot more. So I think for us, that's something that like is actually more authentic to how we yeah. can give and receive joy for yeah. each other. And I think some people like they authentically give and receive joy in physical gifts. Right. And I think yeah. if that is how you give and receive joy, then do that. But yeah. I think don't do it just because it is the thing to do. And I think that's really what the spirit of Christmas is like. How can you give and receive what's authentic to your heart and the overflow of your good and joy and goodness for your kids or your parents or the people in your life who are special to you? And so I think like in our family, the most authentic representation of that comes through what we found in Christmas Different. And I think allowing that to be something that changes year to year too. Cause I think there are yeah. some years where it's actually more yeah. stressful to do all of that. And so right. I think right. letting Christmas be something that's like yeah. not stressful, but genuine to the season is actually what's most important. And sometimes it is okay to switch it up. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think that's really good. I appreciate you bringing that out because one thing that I really remember about that year, we did all distribute the responsibility for buying gifts is that something that I had experienced is very isolating. You guys probably don't remember this, but when you were little, like I would spend the week before Christmas, I would stay up till three and four in the morning just wrapping presents. And if I felt like I'm older and helping you wrap presents, yes. and I was like, this sucks. What is happening? Because this? it was this I hate yelling at futility that it's just all going to be ripped up and yes. gone in a matter of minutes. But I'm spending hours and hours doing this and mostly doing it alone. And so that year where we just took the money and we distributed it out and then we all went to the mall together. We're all colluding together about, like, I remember trying to get Dave a Kobe Bryant jersey and, you know, we're trying to find something that'll get here in time. And like, it it just became, even in the spending money and the gift giving, it just became more relational and less stressful. And it created bonds between all of us as we did this sort of together. And I think that's what really shifted. If I had to sum up what shifted for me, at least when we did Christmas different is instead of it being this chore, even though it was a chore I really wanted to do, but it was this thing I was responsible for. I had to do. It was just very isolated. It became something that every year the priority was how we did it together and what did togetherness look like? Which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this on the podcast because that's what we focus on is the relationality of, of the Christian life and of family life. And I think that's what improved and increased the most as we made this shift was that we just started to experience Christmas as a together time. And that became the focus of whatever we decided to do. And I at least experienced that as significantly better than the way I had been doing it previously. It's good for me to hear uh, and just be a little more intentional asking you guys what that was like for you. Uh, One final question before we wrap up. How, I'm not going to hold you to any of this. This is just sort of a a thought. How how do you think you will handle Christmas as you start to build your own family? I feel like there's a few things. I think the way, I think the, the, the specifics of it, I'm, less married to as much as the rough idea that I feel like now growing up and just even things I believe in now and and, and stuff like that of, of just recognizing the importance of experience and, and 
maybe the limited importance of materialistic gifts. And I just think if you train your family that every year the greatest moment of joy for a child is when they get to open all their gifts, I just think that sets you up in a bad way. I just think if your kid's greatest joy over a Christmas break isn't an experience with the family or isn't anything relational, but it's rather this like moment of materialistic indulgence. Like, I think that's dangerous if you train your kid that way a little bit. And, and to recognize too, how quickly that's fleeting and how quickly all of a sudden, two days later, the helicopter you got is broken and then you've lost oh, the sign. Or maybe an hour and a half later. And you just, and you just have lost everything. And, and, and all of a sudden, by the time you get back from school, there's two things that you still like maybe it's a new backpack or a new sweatshirt or something, but versus an experience or a story that you can tell or something that you can live on with that, that those are the things we remember. Even the couple gifts we got each year, I don't remember those, but I remember the Nerf war and the snowball fight and the, those things versus the, I don't know, the, the specific gifts that we got. And so I think even in the spirit of Christmas and then, and, and recognizing the, the, the beauty of gifts and how that can be a thing that brings together families as long as that's the purpose of it and not just to make your kids like you more or something i don't know exactly what the motivation is i'm not there yet but i still think it's it's a powerful thing and in the spirit of christmas and the story of jesus like that is what we see is, is moments of gifts from the wise men and things like that but also recognizing like the relational importance of it and the experience of it even i think those are the things that you remember and those are the things that like can unite a family and, and things like that and so Trying to make each Christmas memorable or each experience memorable, I think it's cool. And so, I don't know, I think that's stuff that I would just want to take into my family one day and, and think about of like, how do we make this Christmas and whatever year it is, a memorable one and an exciting one and an experiential one rather than just strictly materialistic. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it balancing like what and I think even like the ages of kids and everything like I think a lot of the reason Christmas different worked when we started was because I was older because Nick was older we were able to join it in a way that like a three-year-old can't and so I think that all of those things like morph as your family changes and as sure. extended family changes and as your right. circumstances change and so I think there's also and I think this is true in our family. And I appreciate, I think you and dad always have done a really good job of this. There are things that make Christmas feel the same every year. Like there are traditions and things. But I think we hold things with an open hand. It also, there's room for it to look different. There's room for it to grow as our family changes and as relationships change. And so I think that that is really beautiful of not holding on to anything too rigidly so that you can see like what, what do my kids need this year? What And maybe different kids need different things. And like the need for everything to be equitable on the gift front oh. isn't actually helping anything. Yeah. And so I think just being like, okay, that they need this year. They need this this year. And like Christmas is about giving joy in a way that can be received. And how can we do that? And holding with an open hand, that's going to look different um, right. at different times. And so... I think for me, that's something that's like important to just remember that, um, yeah, it's not about what you're getting or how much you're getting or the money or whatever, but that it's more about the memories you make and the time that's spent together. Well, I, I love the things you guys said and, and they got particularly like the idea that 
training your children to think that moment where you're getting is the most important thing. That's a really um, insightful statement. And I, I remember as a kid, <clears throat> one of the things that was so disappointing to me is I actually never got the biggest gift under the tree, like the biggest box. And it was such a silly thing, but somehow in my mind, it had become the measure of value. And what a silly way to measure um, the, the value of a gift. But, you know, as a kid, that seemed like the thing that mattered. And, and nobody was intending for me to come away with that. That's, that's just how my young brain processed. And yeah, to think about all the ways we're communicating meaning and value I think that's really great. And I look forward to being the grandma hiding behind the shield and someone throws snowballs at me. Bring it on. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for sharing and joining me today. I hope the Larger Story listeners that this was an interesting conversation for you. I pray for all of you that you have a really blessed Christmas this year and that you find those relational moments to deepen your connections with family and friends. and that something we said might have inspired you or start encourage you to think differently. We just pray that this year would be a really good time of relational connection and um, focus and, and remembrance on why we celebrate because a baby came and that changed everything, absolutely everything. So uh, blessings to y'all and, and pray that y'all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.